book one chapters five through seven of a hero of our time by mikhail yurovich lermontov translated by j h wisdom and mar murray this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine book one bella chapter five i confess that for my part i had trouble enough over the business as soon as ever i learned that the circassian girl was with grigory alexandrovitch i put on my epaulettes and sword and went to see him he was lying on the bed in the outer room with one hand under his head and the other holding a pipe which had gone out the door leading to the inner room was locked and there was no key in the lock i observed all that in a moment i coughed and rapped my heels against the threshold but he pretended not to hear ensign i said as sternly as i could do you not see that i have come to you ah good morning maxim maximitch won't you have a pipe he answered without rising excuse me i am not maxim maximitch i am the staff captain it's all the same won't you have some tea if you only knew how i am being tortured with anxiety i know all i answered going up to the bed so much the better he said i am not in a narrative mood ensign you have committed an offence for which i may have to answer as well as you oh that'll do what's the harm you know we've gone halves in everything what sort of a joke do you think you are playing your sword please mitka my sword mitka brought the sword my duty discharged i sat down on the bed facing pechorin and said listen here grigory alexandrovitch you must admit that this is a bad business what is why that you have carried off bella ah it is that beast azamat come confess i said but supposing i am fond of her well what could i say to that i was nonplussed after a short interval of silence however i told him that if bella's father were to claim her he would have to give her up not at all but he will get to know that she is here how again i was nonplussed listen maxim maximitch said pechorin rising to his feet you're a kind-hearted man you know but if we give that savage back his daughter he will cut her throat or sell her the deed is done and the only thing we can do now is not to go out of our way to spoil matters leave bella with me and keep my sword show her to me though i said she is behind that door only i wanted myself to see her to-day and wasn't able to she sits in the corner muffled in her veil and neither speaks nor looks up timid as a white chamois i have ordered the wife of our dukan keeper she knows the tartar language and will look after bella and accustom her to the idea that she belongs to me for she shall belong to no one else he added banging his fist on the table i assented to that too what could i do there are some people with whom you absolutely have to agree well i asked maxim maximitch did he really succeed in making her grow accustomed to him or did she pine away in captivity from homesickness good gracious how could she pine away from homesickness from the fortress she could see the very same hills as she could from the village and these savages require nothing more besides grigory alexandrovitch used to give her a present of some kind every day at first she didn't utter a word but haughtily thrust away the gifts which then fell to the lot of the dukan keeper's wife and aroused her eloquence ah presents what won't a woman do for a coloured rag but that is by the way 
for a long time grigory alexandrovitch persevered with her and meanwhile he studied the tartar language and she began to understand ours little by little she grew accustomed to looking at him at first furtively askance but she still pined and crooned her songs in an undertone so that even i would feel heavy at heart when i heard her from the next room one scene i shall never forget i was walking past and i looked in at the window bella was sitting on the stove couch her head sunk on her breast and grigory alexandrovitch was standing facing her listen my perry he was saying surely you know that you will have to be mine sooner or later why then do you but torture me is it that you were in love with some chechen if so i will let you go home at once she gave a scarcely perceptible start and shook her head or is it he continued that i am utterly hateful to you she heaved a sigh or that your faith prohibits you from giving me a little of your love she turned pale and remained silent believe me allah is one and the same for all races and if he permits me to love you why then should he prohibit you from requiting me by returning my love she gazed fixedly into his face as though struck by that new idea distrust and a desire to be convinced were expressed in her eyes what eyes they were they sparkled just like two glowing coals listen my dear good bella continued pechorin you see how i love you i am ready to give up everything to make you cheerful once more i want you to be happy and if you are going to be sad again i shall die tell me you will be more cheerful she fell into thought her black eyes still fixed upon him then she smiled graciously and nodded her head in token of acquiescence he took her by the hand and tried to induce her to kiss him she defended herself feebly and only repeated please please you mustn't you mustn't he went on to insist she began to tremble and weep i am your captive she said your slave of course you can compel me and then again tears grigory alexandrovitch struck his forehead with his fist and sprang into the other room i went in to see him and found him walking moodily backwards and forwards with folded arms well old man i said to him she is a devil not a woman he answered but i give you my word of honour that she shall be mine i shook my head will you bet with me he said in a week's time very well i answered we shook hands on it and separated the next day he immediately dispatched an express messenger to kizliar to purchase some things for him the messenger brought back a quite innumerable quantity of various persian stuffs what think you maxim maximitch he said to me showing the presents will our asiatic beauty hold out against such a battery as this you don't know the circassian women i answered they are not at all the same as the georgian or the transcaucasian tartar women not at all they have their own principles they are brought up differently grigory alexandrovitch smiled and began to whistle a march to himself chapter six as things fell out however continued maxim maximitch i was right you see the presence produced only half an effect she became more gracious more trustful but that was all pechorin accordingly determined upon a last expedient one morning he ordered his horse to be saddled dressed himself as a circassian armed himself and went into her room bella he said you know how i love you i decided to carry you off thinking that when you grew to know me you would give me your love i was mistaken farewell 
remain absolute mistress of all i possess return to your father if you like you are free i have acted wrongfully towards you and i must punish myself farewell i am going whither how should i know perchance i shall not have long to court the bullet or the sabre stroke then remember me and forgive he turned away and stretched out his hand to her in farewell she did not take his hand but remained silent but i standing there behind the door was able through a chink to observe her countenance and i felt sorry for her such a deathly pallor shrouded that charming little face hearing no answer pechorin took a few steps towards the door he was trembling and shall i tell you i think he was in a state to perform in very fact what he had been saying in jest he was just that sort of man heaven knows he had scarcely touched the door however when bella sprang to her feet burst out sobbing and threw herself on his neck would you believe it i standing there behind the door fell to weeping too that is to say you know not exactly weeping but just well something foolish the staff captain became silent yes i confess he said after a while tugging at his moustache i felt hurt that not one woman had ever loved me like that was their happiness lasting i asked yes she admitted that from the day she had first cast eyes on pechorin she had often dreamed of him and that no other man had ever produced such an impression upon her yes they were happy how tiresome i exclaimed involuntarily in point of fact i had been expecting a tragic ending when lo he must needs disappoint my hopes in such an unexpected manner is it possible though i continued that her father did not guess that she was with you in the fortress well you must know he seems to have had his suspicions after a few days we learned that the old man had been murdered this is how it happened my attention was aroused anew i must tell you that kazbich imagined that the horse had been stolen by azamat with his father's consent at any rate that is what i suppose so one day kazbich went and waited by the roadside about three versts beyond the village the old man was returning from one of his futile searches for his daughter his retainers were lagging behind it was dusk deep in thought he was riding at a walking pace when suddenly kazbich darted out like a cat from behind a bush sprang up behind him on the horse flung him to the ground with a thrust of his dagger seized the bridle and was off a few of the retainers saw the whole affair from the hill they dashed off in pursuit of kazbich but failed to overtake him he requited himself for the loss of his horse and took his revenge at the same time i said with a view to evoking my companion's opinion of course from their point of view said the staff captain he was perfectly right i was involuntarily struck by the aptitude which the russian displays for accommodating himself to the customs of the people in whose midst he happens to be living i know not whether this mental quality is deserving of censure or commendation but it proves the incredible pliancy of his mind and the presence of that clear common sense which pardons evil wherever it sees that evil is inevitable or impossible of annihilation chapter seven in the meantime we had finished our tea the horses which had been put to long before were freezing in the snow in the west the moon was growing pale and was just on the point of plunging into the black clouds which were hanging over the distant summits like the shreds of a torn curtain 
we went out of the hut contrary to my fellow-traveller's prediction the weather had cleared up and there was a promise of a calm morning the dancing choirs of the stars were interwoven in wondrous patterns on the distant horizon and one after another they flickered out as the wan resplendence of the east suffused the dark lilac vault of heaven gradually illumining the steep mountain slopes covered with the virgin snows to right and left loomed grim and mysterious chasms and masses of mist eddying and coiling like snakes were creeping thither along the furrows of the neighbouring cliffs as though sentient and fearful of the approach of day all was calm in heaven and on earth calm as within the heart of a man at the moment of morning prayer only at intervals a cool wind rushed in from the east lifting the horses manes which were covered with hoar-frost we started off the five lean jades dragged our wagons with difficulty along the tortuous road up mount gut we ourselves walked behind placing stones under the wheels whenever the horses were spent the road seemed to lead into the sky for so far as the eye could discern it still mounted up and up until finally it was lost in the cloud which since early evening had been resting on the summit of mount gut like a kite awaiting its prey the snow crunched under our feet the atmosphere grew so rarefied that to breathe was painful ever and anon the blood rushed to my head but withal a certain rapturous sensation was diffused throughout my veins and i felt a species of delight at being so high up above the world a childish feeling i admit but when we retire from the conventions of society and draw close to nature we involuntarily become as children each attribute acquired by experience falls away from the soul which becomes anew such as it was once and will surely be again he whose lot it has been as mine has been to wander over the desolate mountains long long to observe their fantastic shapes greedily to gulp down the life-giving air diffused through their ravines he of course will understand my desire to communicate to narrate to sketch those magic pictures well at length we reached the summit of mount gut and halting looked around us upon the mountain a grey cloud was hanging and its cold breath threatened the approach of a storm but in the east everything was so clear and golden that we that is the staff captain and i forgot all about the cloud yes the staff captain too in simple hearts the feeling for the beauty and grandeur of nature is a hundredfold stronger and more vivid than in us ecstatic composers of narratives in words and on paper you have grown accustomed i suppose to these magnificent pictures i said yes sir you can even grow accustomed to the whistling of a bullet that is to say accustomed to concealing the involuntary thumping of your heart i have heard on the contrary that many an old warrior actually finds that music agreeable of course if it comes to that it is agreeable but only just because the heart beats more violently look he added pointing towards the east what a country and indeed such a panorama i can hardly hope to see elsewhere beneath us lay the koishar valley intersected by the aragva and another stream as if by two silver threads a bluish mist was gliding along the valley 
fleeing into the neighbouring defiles from the warm rays of the morning to right and left the mountain crests towering higher and higher intersected each other and stretched out covered with snows and thickets in the distance were the same mountains which now however had the appearance of two cliffs one like to the other and all these snows were burning in the crimson glow so merrily and so brightly that it seemed as though one could live in such a place for ever the sun was scarcely visible behind the dark blue mountain which only a practised eye could distinguish from a thunder-cloud but above the sun was a blood-red streak to which my companion directed particular attention i told you he exclaimed that there would be dirty weather to-day we must make haste or perhaps it will catch us on mount krestov get on he shouted to the drivers chains were put under the wheels in place of drags so that they should not slide the drivers took the horses by the reins and the descent began on the right was a cliff on the left a precipice so deep that an entire village of ossetes at the bottom looked like a swallow's nest i shuddered as the thought occurred to me that often in the depth of night on that very road where two wagons could not pass a courier drives some ten times a year without climbing down from his rickety vehicle one of our drivers was a russian peasant from yaroslavl the other an ossete the latter took out the leaders in good time and led the shaft horse by the reins using every possible precaution but our heedless compatriot did not even climb down from his box when i remarked to him that he might put himself out a bit at least in the interests of my portmanteau for which i had not the slightest desire to clamber down into the abyss he answered a eh, master with the help of heaven we shall arrive as safe and sound as the others it's not our first time you know and he was right we might just as easily have failed to arrive at all but arrive we did for all that and if people would only reason a little more they would be convinced that life is not worth taking such a deal of trouble about perhaps however you would like to know the conclusion of the story of bella in the first place this is not a novel but a collection of travelling notes and consequently i cannot make the staff captain tell the story sooner than he actually proceeded to tell it therefore you must wait a bit or if you like turn over a few pages though i do not advise you to do the latter because the crossing of mount krestov or as the erudite gamba calls it le mont saint christophe is worthy of your curiosity well then we descended mount gut into the chertov valley there's a romantic designation for you already you have a vision of the evil spirit's nest amidst the inaccessible cliffs but you are out of your reckoning there the name chertov is derived from the word cherta boundary line and not from chort devil because at one time the valley marked the boundary of georgia we found it choked with snowdrifts which reminded us rather vividly of saratov tambov and other charming localities of our fatherland look there is krestov said the staff captain when we had descended into the chertov valley as he pointed out a hill covered with a shroud of snow upon the summit stood out the black outline of a stone cross and past it led an all but imperceptible road which travellers use only when the side road is obstructed with snow our drivers declaring that no avalanches had yet fallen spared the horses by conducting us round the mountain at a turning we met four or five ossetes who offered us their services and catching hold of the wheels proceeded with a shout 
to drag and hold up our cart and indeed it is a dangerous road on the right were masses of snow hanging above us and ready it seemed at the first squall of wind to break off and drop into the ravine the narrow road was partly covered with snow which in many places gave way under our feet and in others was converted into ice by the action of the sun by day and the frost by night so that the horses kept falling and it was with difficulty that we ourselves made our way on the left yawned a deep chasm through which rolled a torrent now hiding beneath a crust of ice now leaping and foaming over the black rocks in two hours we were barely able to double mount krestov two versts in two hours meanwhile the clouds had descended hail and snow fell the wind bursting into the ravines howled and whistled like nightingale the robber soon the stone cross was hidden in the mist the billows of which in ever denser and more compact masses rushed in from the east concerning that stone cross by the way there exists the strange but widespread tradition that it had been set up by the emperor peter i when travelling through the caucasus in the first place however the emperor went no farther than dagestan and in the second place there is an inscription in large letters on the cross itself to the effect that it had been erected by order of general ermolov and that too in the year eighteen twenty four nevertheless the tradition has taken such firm root in spite of the inscription that really you do not know what to believe the more so as it is not the custom to believe inscriptions to reach the station kobi we still had to descend about five versts across ice-covered rocks and plashy snow the horses were exhausted we were freezing the snowstorm droned with ever-increasing violence exactly like the storms of our own northern land only its wild melodies were sadder and more melancholy o oh, exile i thought thou art weeping for thy wide free steps there mayest thou unfold thy cold wings but here thou art stifled and confined like an eagle beating his wings with a shriek against the grating of his iron cage a bad lookout said the staff captain look there's nothing to be seen all round but mist and snow at any moment we may tumble into an abyss or stick fast in a cleft and a little lower down i dare say the baidara has risen so high that there is no getting across it oh this asia i know it like people like rivers there's no trusting them at all the drivers shouting and cursing belaboured the horses which snorted resisted obstinately and refused to budge on any account notwithstanding the eloquence of the whips your honour one of the drivers said to me at length you see we will never reach kobi to-day won't you give orders to turn to the left while we can there is something black yonder on the slope probably huts travellers always stop there in bad weather sir they say he added pointing to the ossetes that they will lead us there if you will give them a tip i know that my friend i know that without your telling me said the staff captain oh these beasts they are delighted to seize any pretext for extorting a tip you must confess however i said that we should be worse off without them just so just so he growled to himself i know them well these guides they sent out by instinct the chance of taking advantage of people as if it was impossible to find the way without them accordingly we turned aside to the left and somehow or other after a good deal of trouble made our way to the wretched shelter 
which consisted of two huts built of stone slabs and rubble surrounded by a wall of the same material our ragged hosts received us with alacrity i learned afterwards that the government supplies them with food and money upon condition that they put up travellers who are overtaken by storm end of book one chapter seven recording by expatriate in bangor maine